Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us at bleedcubbyblue.com, and we blast each episode plus related content from our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I watched the entire Home Run Derby. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, I'm so excited to talk to you about the Home Run Derby because I'm going through baseball withdrawals. And I'm like, I need to talk baseball. It's how has it already been like, I don't know, 24 hours without baseball? I like seriously, um, these days go so slow for me. Like when there's no baseball, it's just, it's like, okay, seriously, I feel like my schedule revolves around when the game is. So right now I'm kind of like, what do I do? Like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have like seven screens on at all times. It's it's strange. I don't like it. I don't like it either. The days are going really slow. I, the thing that drives my news cycles isn't happening. My brother even texted me and was like, this is terrible. It's the worst week of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Yes. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about the home run derby. Okay, I'm just going to say it. My home run derby champ is Vladito, Vlad Guerrero Jr., like... Hello, that was incredible. What is these rules are dumb? <laughs> well, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I changed my um my name my screen name on Twitter to Anlita, which I was did. a wave to Vladito because I agree he is a hundred percent my home run derby champion. I think that the battle between him and Jock were, was like the derby, like that was what the highlight of the evening. That was what should have been the main event. That was amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I did notice your screen name and I totally loved it. In, uh, incidentally, friends at Obvious Shirts, if you listen to this, Vladito is my home run derby champion. I would wear that shirt. Um, seriously, he hit 91 home runs out of 312 that were hit over the entire event. And like, I get how the brackets work and something, something Pete Alonso's pitcher wasn't very good. He hit 34 more home runs. (laughs) I mean, can we just put this into perspective? I think I read somewhere that Vladito hit 91 home runs and the, the Florida Marlins have hit 68 the entire season. Seriously, like he had more home runs than multiple teams. <laughs> I think there were three or four teams insane. that hit more home runs than this season. And in that one round, in that like like before even the final round, he was outdoing whole teams. So sorry, Pete Alonzo. I like you. You're a nice guy. You're yeah. not my home run derby champ. You know, and I think for us, it, there is a point of um we kind of find ourselves more um, in the the Guerrero. Um, I don't know what you want to say because we grew up watching his dad, so we're probably a little bit more partial to him. Um, but that story is just amazing because I remember watching when his dad won it. Was it two thousand five? Yeah, two thousand five when his dad won it, or two thousand seven? I don't know, one of those years, and he was there. He was a little kid watching his dad. 
it, it just the story is just amazing yeah those pictures are incredible uh incidentally on home run derby night speaking of little tiny vladito as a little one Lindsay adler from the athletic tweeted that vlad jr was hitting home runs in batting practice at camden yards when he was 12 yeah, I read that before. When he first got drafted, I believe they had a bunch of crazy facts like that out about him. I yeah, I had heard that before. That is that's you know, after watching him in the home run derby though, that's not a huge shock to be quite honest. I I'm still a little shocked. Like, yes, I get it. He's clearly like like built to hit home runs and is just like a power 12 years old out of a major league ballpark is still majorly impressive <laughs> just like oh it's, I, it's no doubt impressive it's no doubt impressive but um looking at his lineage and where he grew up and what he grew up doing and what he grew up watching you know it, it's and just watching how he's doing it at the you know ripe old age of 20 obviously sarcasm um, it, it's no surprise that he was doing that at such a young age to me. I would have paid money to see that because I guarantee anybody that knows baseball and knows what they were watching knew that they would, that he would be at this point right now in his so young career already. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to me, but it, it definitely, it all, it all comes together. I mean, it all makes sense when you, when you think about who his dad is and, and, and who his dad was to the game. I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. And we are lucky to get to see what we got to to see the other night, because that was, that was, I don't know that we'll see another as exciting home run derby as that. That was pretty intense. Yeah. And to all the haters who are like, why is Vlad Guerrero Jr. here? He only has eight home runs. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in his interview, which I loved by the way, that um, they had, uh, a woman as the translator slash um, reporter that was interviewing him. That was amazing. Um, Marley Rivera. She, she's a great Twitter follow. And she killed it. I mean, she killed it. Um, I could understand very little of what he was saying, not because I, I, I can understand a little bit of Spanish, but he was kind of mumbles. <laughs> too. I mean, he was saying a lot of things under his breath. So I was like, Oh, I don't really know if that's what he's saying, but um you know, just that whole thing, uh, having the translator showing that, you know, his love for the game, it, there's no, you know, there's, there's nothing that could come between him and the love of the game and, and, you know, that divide, that's not really a divide to anybody. So that was pretty cool. I really appreciated that part of it too. Yeah, he's incredible. Also, uh, in the interest of transparency and fairness, I feel like I owe an apology to Jack Peterson, who I believe I said was boring. <laughs> on the last podcast and I okay. wasn't sure why he was in the home run derby and I I, I was very wrong <laughs> um yeah I pretty much I I also for in the interest of transparency I tweet or I did not tweet I text messaged text message Sarah during the home run derby and I said eh I think I might have been a little wrong about Jack so <laughs> my apologies also that I apparently do not watch enough Dodgers baseball, um, which is no huge surprise. Um, I watched them when they play the Cubs. But, yeah, he looked amazing. And he was cool, calm, and collected. Like, he just – I mean, he quietly almost just came in and just 
I mean, it, I, I was shocked. Like when I was watching him starting to get on a roll, I looked at my husband. I'm like, he's going to beat him. He's going to beat Vladito. Like, seriously, it, it was crazy. He was just ripping him off left and right. And it just was not even sweating. He was just totally cool, calm and collected. So Jack, my apologies. Also, I, I will, I will never, I will never doubt you next time. So there you go. Yeah, We're, we're now a Jack Peterson fan podcast. <laughs> um, that was some easy power. It was crazy. It didn't look like he was swinging that hard. He was swinging to all fences. It was crazy. He was just uh, easy power. It was cool. And responsible for like the cutest moment of the whole thing when apparently Kershaw had been at dinner and his daughter was like we have to go back and watch Jock and so he's just like standing there cheering go Jock go Jock uh Clayton Kershaw's children are adorable that was super Um, cute yeah apparently uh so Jock's daughter's name is Poppy so apparently Poppy and Kershaw's daughter are friends so that's what she was saying. Poppy's dad. We got to go back and watch Poppy's dad. I mean, oh that, is, that has got to be the cutest thing I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I, I, uh, I'm, I will not say that I'm, I'm a Jack Peterson fan because I obviously he's good at the game. And like, I, you know, I, in all reality, we should have given him credit because there is a reason why he's there. I mean, there is a reason why he's there. So yes. Thank you for that. That was amazing. Um, I'm sure your daughter is adorable if she's friends with Kershaw's daughter. That I would love to see those two together. <laughs> oh, I bet but, they're yeah, so cute. Little baby right? girls. <laughs> um, speaking of cute kids, did you see Javi Baez and his little one, AJ, on the red carpet? Because that was also super, super adorable. I Yeah, I'm pretty sure I cried when I saw that. <laughs> Like, oh like AJ crawling around the red carpet was so Oh great. my gosh. Adorable. Adorable. All right. Uh, more baseball. Less kid talk. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the All-Star game itself. It has been seven years since the NL has won an All-Star game. And I just, <laughs> I mean, at least it doesn't count anymore. But what is going on here? How does this keep happening? I don't understand. Well, they were talking about this on the post game a little bit, and the past 30 years have been pretty dominated by American League, but believe it or not, the record head-to-head is pretty even. I think American League is up by two games now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this happened. I don't know how this happened. It's been a long time. I mean, I can't even remember the last game that the National League won. Um you know what? I thought they had it in them last night. I really thought they were going to pull that out. They had a couple opportunities to score a, a couple more runs. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I don't, I can honestly say, I don't feel like there's more talent in the American league. I think the American league hitters just had better hacks on the national league pitching. Um, that's what I think. I, I think a, a national league, pitchers or National League hitters were just totally overmatched by the American League pitchers. They looked ridiculous. Thank God we don't have to face all of them if we get to that point. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, one of the things that is interesting about the All-Star game, and this is just sort of the nature of the beast, is that you always have a bunch of incredible pitchers who are only coming in for one inning. So all they have to do is be on for one inning and get three guys out And it feels like that's kind of a recipe for a really tough game, even for the best hitters. Um, All it takes, it's like kind of the first pitcher that has an off night and starts throwing some bad pitches is going to get lit up and that's the game, you know? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know that you're getting pure adrenaline from every single one of those guys. I mean, you know, we were seeing pitchers topping, excuse me, pitchers topping out at like 98, 97 miles an hour. It's like, wow. I mean, what do you even do with that? I mean, mean, other than just watch it, (laughs) there's not a whole lot you can do when you're not used to seeing that velocity on an everyday basis, especially, you know, and and most of these pitchers, they're they're in the all-star game for a reason. I mean, they have the most ridiculous movement on on everything so yeah it was it, it, they definitely look overmatch and and you know when you're only getting one inning out of a pitcher you're getting everything in that one inning exactly um there were not a lot of cubs highlights in this game so i don't really have a ton to talk about about the cubs and actual baseball we almost missed chris bryant coming into the game entirely because he got subbed into left and joe buck and john smoltz just basically decided not to tell us about that <laughs> this was a little annoying to me i mean i know there are a lot of substitutions but fans are there to see their favorite players play and it would be nice if they knew when their when the players they wanted to watch actually came into the game and i just didn't feel like they did a great job of explaining who was in the game at any point in time it was sort of a pet peeve of mine what did you think I okay, so I kind of mentioned this before when we were talking about it. I can't stand that part of it because I understand that they're all there and the coaches do a very good job of getting everybody in. But here's the thing like, literally, from Joe Buck, we got this is what he said. Well, there was quite a few changes in that half inning. Okay, so what are you going to tell us? <laughs> I mean, are we supposed you to, guess? to guess? You just have to guess. <laughs> I, I mean, literally, that's what he said. And it was, I think, I want to say it was when Chris Bryant was up to bat, he said that. So I was thinking that he was going to fall into, you know, where, what position everybody was going into, who's up to bat, for who, that sort of thing. We got none of that. <laughs> we got, well, there was quite a few changes at this happening. Okay. Thank you, well, Captain Obvious. What do we do per- with that? And particularly for some of the players that came in that weren't in their traditional position or weren't in the position that they had been named to the team for, it made it really challenging to figure out who was where, right? So like KB came into left field rather than coming in at third base. And somebody in the game thread on BCB mentioned that. And I was like, what, really? And then a ball just happened to get hit up the third baseline right about that time. And sure enough, here comes Chris Bryant trotting towards the ball. And I was like, okay, I guess that was true. (laughs) I totally missed that. That's that is so aggravating. So aggravating. Like, like it would hurt you to put a graphic up for five seconds and just show us where everybody is. Like that would be really nice. <laughs> there were some graphics at some points in time. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't every time there were changes. And they definitely weren't up long enough to get an entire new defensive alignment. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. I kind of was like, I'd have to go back and pause it to know. Right. <laughs> no, I remember the seeing him at the I remember seeing him at the beginning of the game, but I don't remember him again after that. So it's like Dude, we know that you're basically bringing in a whole nother team. You got to give us something. (laughs) While we're on the subjects of things I want to rant about about the All-Star game, uh, (laughs) and and for the most part, like Cleveland did a really nice job with everything, but you have got to spell players' names correctly and put the right names next to the right pitchers. Did you you see this on the big board? (laughs) So I, a couple of people called this out on Twitter they misspelled Wilson Contreras' names. Name. There are two L's in Wilson, not one. They put David Dahl into the game as Davis Dahl as opposed to David. And my personal favorite, my personal favorite, and shout out to our friends from a pot of their own for catching this. Uh, when Jeff McNeil came up to bat, they had a picture of Jacob deGrom. 
Are you serious? <laughs> How do you even mess that up? Oh my goodness. Well, like scoreboard guy, you had one job. Spell their names correctly and put the right all, picture next to the right guy. <laughs> in all fairness, the scoreboard guy is probably the same scoreboard guy that it was in 2016. So Wilson probably was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were mad. Right. Cleveland is still healthy, Chicago. They are so angry. I mean, they're they're even still mad at you if you're wearing a different uniform. They don't care. <laughs> Unless you're Tommy Listella. They clearly forgot that Tommy Listella was a cub in 2016 and you know I, I couldn't boo Tommy LaSella either so I get it right but I, I'm pretty sure that most people that are not like you know huge baseball fans probably think Tommy LaSella has been with the Angels his entire career <laughs> <laughs> they're like who's yeah. this rookie he's having a great year yeah Cleveland clearly still mad at the Cubs <laughs> I don't know if, if that's the price of winning in 2016 I will take it Cleveland can be mad for a while uh, you know what? I I would be I would be upset if Cleveland wasn't mad at us. <laughs> like, come on, not oh, true, fam. Outstanding. All right. Well, uh, those are our thoughts from the All Star Game and the Home Run Derby. We're gonna take a quick break for some sponsors, and then we're gonna look ahead to the second half and how the Cubs are gonna kick things off against the Pirates on Friday. And we're back. So the first half, as we have discussed time and time again, has not gone exactly the way the Cubs had planned. They are holding on, clinging with, like, the crimps of their fingernails <laughs> to a half-game lead in the division. But the good news is that they have been a second-half team under Joe Madden. They've always performed better in the second half than they have in the first half. And here's hoping they can do it again. Uh, Andy, what do you think? Is that going to continue? Or are we going to see the second-half Cubs in 2019? Well, I really hope so. I hope that we get a different version than we got last year. Um, I know the schedule is still going to be grueling. However, we've gotten a little taste of that. Obviously, last year we had to work through that. So we have an idea of how to do that exactly. Um, you know, I just really hope there's there's a lot of talk in a lot of different directions right now because people are they're not performing up to what they were expected to do the first half of the season. There were moments of greatness, moments that looked like this team was going to run away with it. Then there was moments where you're wondering how many teams we're going to be looking up at at the end of the season. So, you know, we're kind of all over the map. Um, we've kind of already hit our highs and lows. <laughs> so it'd be really nice if we could get on a stretch of some consistent baseball, beat the teams we should be beating and, you know, really start to see some guys become clutch because I feel like it's been the same guys and it would be really nice if, if it would be um, the leaders, the ones that you're expecting to kind of come in and emotionally override a game. If you start to see that, because whether or not we choose to acknowledge this, the emotional side of this season, because it is a long grueling season is so important. And that's why people like Ben Zobrist are important to this team because he is kind of that guy, you know, he's like that emotional leader, that guy that, you know, will get into people's face and not, he's not afraid to, to tell people how it is. And he's also somebody that everybody looks to. So I really hope that um, the play on the field and whatever is happening in the clubhouse kind of finds its way back to this Cubs team that we know it can be, because there is 
way too much talent and potential in this lineup for us to be worried about whether or not we win this division. So a couple of things about guys who have been hot. I was looking at this for a piece for BCB earlier. Um, Chris Bryant is basically on pace with his 2016 self and Javi Baez is basically on pace with his 2018 self. So that's incredible news because they're both playing on par with the best seasons that they've had to date. Wilson Contreras is also mimicking his best season to date. His best season with the Cubs was actually the half a year he played with them in 2016 when he got called up from the minors and he is mimicking those numbers pretty closely right now. And while Anthony Rizzo is not having his best season, uh, he looks to be back to form. He kind of had a little bit of a slump in 2018 and he looks more like his 2017 self than his 2018 self. So that's all great news. It's some of the other guys that I think need to step up. Like Jason Hayward needs to continue being above average Jason Hayward. And it would be awesome if he would, if he could get on a little bit of a hot streak and kick that up a notch even farther. I feel like Kyle Schwarber has been better than we've seen him in the past, but I want him to, I I think there's more there and he can really kick it up a notch too. And really there are a few guys that just need to be hitting the ball better. Albert Elmore Jr., uh, Addison Russell, Daniel Descalso have got to start performing a little bit better. Yeah, and the scary part about that is, I mean, are we, I don't know, there's been a lot of talk that we're going to get, or that we're looking to get a piece at at some at one of the positions that those guys play, whether it's center or second base. There's been a lot of rumors, a lot of chatter, a lot of you know, we see fans saying, go after this guy, go after this guy. I don't know if that happens. We can't count on that happening. So what we what we need to be able to count on is the guys that we have on our team currently to produce in, at the major league level. I mean, AKA do their job. So, you know, it, it to me, it's like, I don't want to get my hopes up that, you know, we have another toy that you know, possibly Theo might buy for us. I want to just be able to count on the the guys that we have right now in that dugout being able to come out and produce every day, some way or shape or form. It's just, it, it's got to be able to happen. Yeah, I agree. If the people who are there currently could kick it up a notch, that would be great. Ian Happ maybe could have fixed whatever <laughs> Ian Happ is supposed to be fixing in Iowa. That would also be great if this Robel Garcia kid can continue hitting the cover off the ball. That would be outstanding, particularly if he would stop making errors at second base. All of these things would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> or our other guy stop making errors also. Yeah, let's let's no errors. How about like we <laughs> we kick off this pirate series with an air free series? I think that would be a great step in the right direction. And um, speaking of the pirate series, we just saw them. We're about to see them again. Uh, We're going to see a lot of the Pirates in the second half, actually. For that matter, we're going to see a lot of the NL Central in the second half. The Cubs have 72 remaining games against um, all all of baseball. 44 of those games are against NL Central opponents. So they really, you know, if they can play some great baseball, they can do some damage here and put some distance between themselves and the rest of the division. Uh, The Pirates come to Wrigley on Friday it will be an afternoon game, a 120 start. And our old friend, Chris Archer, who 
knocked Anthony Rizzo down with a high and tight fastball. We'll be facing off against you, Darvish, who is still searching for his first win at Wrigley Field. Oh, for the love of Pete. Um, I I have a good feeling about this game. I'm not going to lie. I... Um... <laughs> I think this. I think he's gonna get the dub. I think he's gonna get it on Friday. How many I'm, times are we gonna call you, Darvish's first win? At Ricky I'm gonna keep Hill. calling it until I'm right, Sarah. Gosh darn it! I'm gonna keep calling it until I'm right. So this is the time. This is it's happening. Okay, I, I'm gonna break my trend because I keep calling it and I'm wrong. So I'm gonna say that you, Darvish, is not gonna get the win. But and maybe uh, a little reverse psychology him into the win. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I have to stay with he's going to get it. He's going to get the win. It's going to happen. God, I hope oh, you're right. I just, I do I, too. You Darvish, please. <laughs> please, just just one. Just one before just, I just die. <laughs> you can't use that for this. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I and I did. Right. Um, okay, fine. Let's talk about the other half of that equation, though, which is, you know, the Pirates were throwing up and in on the Cubs in Pittsburgh. It caused a little bit of a thing. Madden got ejected. Are they going to continue to do that? I I kind of think they are, and I'm curious to see how the Cubs respond, both their pitchers and their hitters. Yeah, I have a feeling that that feud was just put on pause, and everybody's going to come back on Friday with the same basically continuing the same emotion that they had in the last series. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think this pirates Cubs beanball war is going anywhere anytime soon until somebody else gets involved. Um, but I will say, I, I think that I, I'm not worried about that. As long as nobody gets hurt, I'm worried about winning the games, which is what we need to be concerned with. We really just need to go out there and play good baseball and not worry about that part of it. They're going to do what they're going to do. We can't control that side of it. What we can control is how we play baseball and, and whether or not we win those games. So that's, that's what I'm worried about, but yes, I foresee this whole issue continuing with this series. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. That's all on both teams. I don't want anybody hurt for either team. I, I especially those types of games. Well, especially Josh Bell's vocal box because he has the most lovely voice. Really? Is that very random? That's very random, isn't it? I didn't so, know that. I haven't noticed this. When okay, so when they do the when they did. Uh, by the way, I am not one that compliments Fox very often when it comes to airing baseball games, but they did a amazing job with all the little vignettes they did and their promo pieces and everything before the game. The really touching on the Cleveland Rocks theme. I loved it. They did amazing with the players. The players were so good. You could really see their personalities, but that's what I was, that's what I was referring to. Josh Bell was, um, you know, when they were sitting there with their headphones on kind of acting like they were DJing a radio station and he spoke into the microphone, like he was on the radio and he had a really good like radio voice. And it was funny because I was taking notes as I was watching on things I wanted to to talk about. And I wrote that down. Josh Bell has a great voice. And then literally like two seconds later, Joe Buck is like, Josh Bell has a fantastic voice. I'm like, oh, no, oh you God. did not take my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Buck stealing my notes. But yeah, I so totally I was like, believe you had it before Joe Buck. That's, oh, that's I did. a thing for Joe Buck I to, did. to talk I did. about. 
I'm like, listen, I do not copy off of Joe Buck. If anything, I should be embarrassed <laughs> for even admitting that we think the same on this. But no, he really does have a fantastic voice. And that whole promo piece before with the players, if you didn't get to see that, go YouTube that because that was fantastic. You got to hear um, Javi call himself El Mago. Um, Chris Bryant had a little part in there. I did not see Willie, but some of the other players like Trout had a big part in there. It was really cool. They did a really good job with that. I was very impressed. Wilson was not in there. I looked very hard for him and I was very disappointed. I know. He was in one of the commercial things they did. I don't think I actually tweeted it, but I thought about tweeting these spots need 10% more Wilson Contreras. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, It's okay. I'll get over it. I agree. Those were really well done pieces and you should absolutely look them up. But I was a little bummed that Wilson Contreras didn't get more airtime trying to get over it. And y'all should really take us serious, and especially me, because I do not compliment Fox very often. So, <laughs> um, The other matchups for this series are Jordan Lyles versus John Lester and Trevor Williams versus Jose Quintana. I mean, if Lester is good and Quintana is good, I feel like the Cubs have a great shot here. They've played really well at home. They'll be rested after the All-Star break. These feel like winnable games. All of these feel like winnable games. We have had so many winnable games that we've lost that now is when it, I mean, you know, it's so funny because I hear all these people say this cliche, you know, October starts in March or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I get it, but like, seriously, we have to stop. Like, I don't want to say giving games away, but that's basically what we're doing. We've, we lost so many winnable games in the first half of the season I still like, I know you and I joke about it, but I still don't understand how we're in first place, but we should be in first place by a lot more than half a game. So yes, feels like winnable games, but putting it all together and actually winning these games is where it needs to to go now. Second half of the season, this is where it, it gets nitty and gritty and you really have to you know put your money where your mouth is. I mean, I have a lot of faith in a Joe Madden managed team to do that. This is his hallmark. This is what he does. This is the reason they have all the themed road trips. This is the reason that they do all of that stuff, right? And so put it all together one more time, Cubs. Like, we watched you do it in 2015. We watched you do it in 2016 and 2017 and 2018. And I know 2018 didn't end the way people wanted it to, but that wasn't because the Cubs underperformed in the second half. They just got run down by a red-hot Brewers team. I, I feel like they can do it one more time. Oh yeah, I agree. And you know, the other thing I would like to take off the plate and if they start playing well, I have a feeling that this will be less of an issue is I really don't want to discuss Joe Madden not being the Cubs manager next year. Like I don't want that to be a topic at all. So I feel like if we can win and play well, that that might be discussed less, probably not, not, altogether but just less yeah I agree with that I think it's totally wild that people think there is a possible better manager for this team than Joe Madden I I I just can't see it I don't see anybody out there who would do as good of a job I think he's been one of the greatest managers in Cubs history I think he has the third best record in Cubs history uh he has the best record since like 1930 or 1940 or something absurd so I would like to see Joe continue his time with the Cubs. I think he's a great fit for this team. I think the clubhouse loves him, and I 
would love that chatter to die down. I'm super sick of it. Yeah, I just don't understand who the heck they think would do a better job. Because, yeah, there's names that you might recognize. And there's names that have been in that position before. But I just don't think it translates to success for the Cubs. You know, I think, I don't know. I think Joe has done an amazing job with what he's been given. He is an awesome guy to have um, at the helm of this group of, of men, young men. I just, I can't, some of the other names that I've heard, I just can't picture it. And I just, unfortunately for most of the folks that like to discuss it, I think it's going, going to come down to the team winning and playing better baseball. And I don't think that's the only factor in what makes a good manager. I know that sounds silly and probably very obvious, but I, there's, I think there's a lot more to it than just a team winning. Unfortunately, that's probably what he'll be judged on at the end of the season. Yeah, totally. I think that Joe has done, particularly last year, with injuries and contracts not working out and other problems, I thought Joe did an incredible job. And so for him to take so much heat because the Cubs just ran out of steam at the end, I, I thought that was remarkably unfair. I agree with you that the names I hear bantered around don't get me all that excited. I mean, Girardi is probably the best name that gets talked about. And I think he'd be a horrible fit for this particular clubhouse. Remember that he was the Yankees decided Joe was Joe Girardi wasn't a good fit because the younger players didn't relate to him. And he was trying to bring too much of an old school vibe into their clubhouse. And can you imagine (laughs) that coming into the Cubs clubhouse as it's put together right now? I, I just can't. Yeah, I definitely can't see him anywhere near this team. I I just, I don't think that works at all. And um, yeah, he's a name that has been associated with the Cubs for a lot of years. People have wanted him to to coach um, or to manage this team for a lot of years now. I just don't think it works with this front office. I don't think it works with this core. I don't think his mentality fits into what the vision is for this new quote unquote Chicago Cubs way, you know, I mean, like how, how things are done now. I just don't think that works. I don't think people are thinking so much with what it would be like. I think they just want to be on the other side of the fence. If that makes sense. It does make sense. I think that people are often like that. They want to complain about something and they haven't given a lot of thought to, well, who's better. And frankly, in my opinion, I don't think there's anybody better out there. Um, well, and the sad part, sad and scary part is people won't figure that out until we're in that situation. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So totally agree. All right. So what we're trying to say is this is a Joe Madden fan zone (laughs) and we are here for a Joe Madden extension after he leads the Cubs through an awesome second half. You can find all of your information about the Cubs in the second half of the season here at Cup of Cubby Blue. You can follow us on Twitter and get your information there. And we will be back looking back at this Pirate series after the weekend. Have a good one. Bye.